Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. So today's sermon, today's message is that Christ is superior. We're going to find that in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says, this is Paul writing, he says, I want you to know how great of a struggle I have in your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen my face. So Paul is writing not just to the Colossians, but also to believers who live in that same region, and he has not personally met these these believers. So he's writing to them, writing a letter to deal with some false teaching that has crept into the church. That their hearts may be encouraged and having been knit together in love and that they would attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. Paul labored in prayer for the spiritual maturity of the church as evidenced by three spiritual factors. Paul lists three things that would indicate that a church is going, going to, growing to spiritual maturity. First, he said that their hearts would be encouraged and having been knit, joined together in love. The first indicator of unity in a church is when believers come together and they are connected through their love for Christ and their love for what is true. The second factor is that they would attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. As we have spiritual understanding and we have confidence, false teachers and those who would corrupt the gospel try to undermine your confidence. God wants you and I to be confident in our faith. He wants us to know that we have a relationship with Christ. These teachers in the Colossian church were trying to somehow intimidate people and confuse people to think that their spirituality was not good enough. The standard of our spirituality, the the thing that indicates whether or not you and I are growing spiritually is our relationship with God and our connection to the Word of God. It's not our experience that makes us superior. It's not our traditions. Have you ever been into an environment where you somehow felt like, People thought they were more spiritual than you. They thought they had this special knowledge that you didn't have, and you somehow felt like an outsider, or you were not part of a particular clique. Well, Paul writes against this in the church. This is not God's will for us to somehow elevate certain people to certain levels and have other people who who felt like they had not obtained that level of spirituality. And this results in a true knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ himself. When we have a relationship with God, and that relationship is based on Christ, then we are secure in him and not moved by our experience or our perception of what we understand. Paul prayed specific prayers for people in churches. Are we specific in our prayers for God's people? You know, we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks and kind of looked at the prayers that Paul was praying. And I encourage you to have specific prayers 
for your family, for your children. Many of us in this room are parents, and there's no greater responsibility than to teach our children the Christian faith, to model the Christian faith and set an example, but to deal with things that come their way that are false. You know, if we were involved in, in learning a subject, you, you would not want your kids to learn the wrong information. You want them to learn what is true and what is right. And it's so important to guard our faith. And the world is trying to teach and educate our children as well as our culture. The world, and you know, you hear this talk about false news and there's this question of, well, what is true? You know, we have to study and we have to pray and we have to seek God for wisdom. And there's a great danger to live life based on the wrong understanding of things. And that same danger is within the church where we can be taught things that are not true. And the thing is, the Berean church, they examined what the apostles were teaching with the word of God. And I encourage you, when you hear me preach, you know, I give you the passages. Go to the word of God. If you don't see it in the word of God, then pick up the phone and call me. Don't just say, well, you know, the pastor said that. I've heard people, they'll say something, well, and, and like Amy likes to say, well, what do you base that belief on? Or what, where, what's your source? And, you know, you're having this conversation, and they say, well, I don't know. My pastor said that. You know, that's a scary thing. That's a scary thing. Just because, you know, you go to the doctor and somebody comes in with a white suit and you assume they know everything. Yeah, if you know the person, you have a relationship and they've proven to you that they've studied medicine, they've made good decisions, you can put a certain level of trust in that person and that's natural. We all do that. But if you went to the doctor uh, tomorrow afternoon and somebody walked in and you didn't know them personally, would you trust everything they said just because they had a white suit on? If you had no, if no way of knowing that they were telling the truth, you know, and the same thing is true in the church and on the television. You know, we turn on the TV and somebody's preaching. They say, well, they, they're pulling up the Bible and, and we let our guard down. Friends, this is not the time to do that. We live in times when we have to examine things to make sure that they are true and that they are uh, right. Christ, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. The enemy comes and he attacks us and he tries to persuade us and to remove from us our confidence in Christ and God's word and to draw us towards him. For even though, this is Paul saying, even though I am absent in body, I am nevertheless with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your orderly manner in the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed in overflowing with gratitude. There is a spiritual struggle in every local church. No matter where we find a local church, there is a spiritual struggle that goes on between those 
who trust Christ, between Christ and those who oppose his authority through false teaching. It could be subtle, but in every church and in every Christian organization, you know, where Christ is magnified, where Christ is growing, and where people are growing to spiritual maturity, there is opposition. Sometimes the opposition is obvious. It's persecution. But sometimes when persecution is non-existent, when we live in environments like ours where there's more freedom at this point, the opposition comes through subtle, false teaching that pulls people away from Christ and attracts them to people, traditions, and ideas that are contrary to Christ. And it is the job of the church and the leaders in the church, the spiritually mature, to guard and protect the church from false teaching. Now, I have daughters, as many of you do. And let's be honest, guys. When our daughter says something but a, a male at a particular place, we get a little suspicious, don't we? Don't we check it out? When we see someone trying to work their way into the lives of our children, do we not get a little suspicious? Are we not cautious? You run through a checklist because you know that not every person has good intentions. And the church is in the same situation, friends. When you listen to the TV and you hear people who put on the appearance of religion and Christianity, we have to be discerning. We have to use wisdom and discernment. Is this something trying to take us away from our stability and confidence in Christ, attracting us to something else and putting us in bondage? Or is this something helping us to mature and grow in our relationship with Christ. Paul's passion, Paul's desire, was that he would present these people who he had never met at, at the Colossian church and the church of Laodicea. He wanted them to grow into spiritual maturity and to be strong and confident in Christ. We're not going to live forever. We're not building our kingdom. We're building the kingdom of God and we're encouraging people to grow and to mature in their Christian faith so that whether we are here or whether we're somewhere else, that they will stand strong in Christ and that they will learn to discern what is true and what is right. And we're going to look at that today. My prayer today is that after we get through these verses, that you would have a checklist in your mind that you could check out teachings and teachers to make sure that they are pointing you in the right direction. You know, when I first became a Christian, I would, buy, I would go to the bookstore almost every Saturday and pick up some books. I had this deal that I would cut the grass of the Christian bookstore, and I never got paid because I got all my payments in, in books because I love to read, and I would read books. And I got to the point where I would take the, the book and I would look and see where did the person study what influenced this person? Because I would pick up books occasionally, and they would talk about all types of crazy things. And I had to be careful. Not everything that has a Christian cover on it is going to point us in the right direction. 
Paul wrote to Colossians to expose false teachers that challenged the local church. These teachers snuck into that church and they started teaching things. They started teaching superstitions. They started teaching that people needed to keep the law, that they needed to keep the Jewish law in order to keep the faith. And those teachings took people away from Christ if they bought into it. And Paul was trying to protect the local church from that. He said, see to it that there is no one who takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human traditions. When we embrace false teaching based on human tradition and philosophy, we neglect Christ, the source of wisdom and knowledge, and remain spiritually immature. We grow through a relationship with Christ. We grow as we surrender to Christ, and we know the Word of God. It might not be as flashy and as exciting as something else at times, but it is proven and tested for 2,000 years. If we will read the Word of God and study the Word of God and listen to the Holy Spirit and surrender our lives to Christ and follow and obey Him and confess our sin when we do the wrong thing and walk in humility and unselfishness, we will grow spiritually. We will be an anchor in a church. We will protect people in our family from false teaching and in our church. But when we are motivated by pride and selfishness, we will drift people away. Unfortunately, I have known so many people who've gotten off of their relationship with Christ. I've known people that I've played music with, that I sat down and I played music with, and they begin to believe that Jesus was not the Son of God. And teach that in a church. I've seen people that I've known personally and what is at the source of their deception? It's either one or two things, pride or selfishness. When people are seeking their own agenda, their own ambitions, in using the church, you guys, I mean, how many people just think politicians are the greatest people in the world and they, they go to Washington to serve and protect people? You know, anytime there is an organization... Anytime there's a group of people where there is a potential for leadership and involvement, it will attract not only good people who love the Lord and want to serve, but it will also attract people who want to use that as an opportunity to build up their own kingdom and serve themselves. People will use it for selfish means. And we have to be on guard for that. And, and you're saying, well, you know, Pastor Mark, I don't see anything like that here. Praise the Lord. You know, if we don't have that, but we have to, we have to be on guard for these things in our families, in our community. This is our community to seek the transformation of this community, that people would come to Christ, that they would grow in Christ, and that they would be spiritually transformed. And you know people who go to church in this area, and you hear them talk, and you hear them interact, 
And it's not for us. We're not sitting around judging people or judging preachers, but we have to be wise. When we see that men and women are into the body of Christ and say, I am a believer, and they're teaching people, and they're influencing people, and their motivation is pride and selfishness, and they're taking people away from Christ to themselves, we have to be on guard. Because what does Paul say this will do? It will enslave people. They will not find truth. They will find bondage and dysfunction in all types of things. There's so much that comes out. So many things are exposed in life. It comes out and we hear all these bad things. Remember Jim Jones and that crazy crew that went over to overseas and they, they had this mass suicide. Where do these things begin? Pride and selfishness. Pulling people away from Christ. Pulling people to themselves in their own ambition, building their own kingdom, and drawing people away. We need to be so focused on Christ and knowing God's word that when something pulls us in another direction, we, the Holy Spirit awakens us and we say, I'm not going there. I had a friend, he was down at the uh, Capitol a couple weeks ago, and some people were like, hey, let's go down there to the Capitol. And, and in his spirit, he said, this is not from God. This is not from God to do something like that. We live in those times when people are being deceived. And I'm not here today to tell you what's right and wrong in every particular situation. But I am here to tell you that if you will be rooted and grounded in Christ and in the Word of God and surrender to the Holy Spirit, that your own spirit will feel uncomfortable when somebody is trying to pull you towards something of a selfish or prideful means. And it is an attack of the enemy. If he can't do A, he will do B. Because his goal is to pull you away from your trust and confidence in Christ. Paul wrote to Galatians and he said, Foolish Galatians, who has deceived you? Having begun in the Spirit, you're now trying to be finished through the flesh. He said, you began by coming to Christ and surrendering your life to Christ and humbling yourself to follow and obey Christ through the Holy Spirit. And now in your own strength, you're trying to be complete. You're going back to the Jewish law. The enemy is always trying to turn people away from Christ and to put them on some tradition or some experience. There's nothing wrong with experiences. When we worship God, it is an experience. But when we make experience the only indicator of what is truth and we say, I don't care whether it's right or wrong, it's what I feel, that will take us down the wrong road. For in him, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over every ruler and authority. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Jesus is my boss. Jesus, you know, when I was preparing the sermon and I was giving Tyler to, uh, what we were going to do, Tyler and Mandy, I said, the question you want to ask the children this morning is, who is the boss in the church. 
who's in charge of the church. You know, Jesus is the boss. Jesus is the head of the church. And those of us who have the opportunity to serve in the church, we serve Jesus and we serve one another. And we come under his authority, not our own authority. We are surrendered to Christ and we're following Christ. And Jesus, who was the Son of God, served as a servant. When you see anything to the contrary on TV or whatever or an organization, when you see people serving themselves and exalting men and women to positions that you know in your spirit is ungodly, avoid that. Be cautious. Christ, let him who brag, brag in the Lord. Christ should be exalted. And we serve and we build up one another but we are not gods, and neither all the people that we follow are human. David failed. Paul had weaknesses. Peter had weaknesses. These are human beings. They make mistakes. When people came out into the streets and tried to worship the apostles, they got down on their knee, knees, they ripped their clothes, and they said, men, men and women, we are men like you. Don't worship us. And the enemy wants to deceive. And I think a lot of people start off with the best of intentions. And things grow. You know, God blesses us when we, when we serve him and things begin to grow and things, uh, things happen and they do well. And, and it's easy sometimes for people to, to start feeling like they had something. It is the Lord that produces growth. It is the Lord, you know. And we are here to to build people up so that people will be disciples. And some people are going to come, they're going to be built up, and God's going to send them to other places, and, and we're going to try to reach other people. You know, but it is not to ourselves that we try to build uh, things up. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is superior to human tradition and philosophy. You know, there are some places where... You know, if it's not, if they haven't done it before, they don't want to do it different and they just want to do things the way they've, they've been doing it that way since the 50s or 60s or 70s. And the sad thing is, is those, those, those places miss the mark as far as developing disciples. And often if a church falls into that, that worship of tradition, that they might just slowly whittle away. Because the world changes, and not all change is bad. You know, God calls us to be flexible. We've had conversations about chairs, and, and most of us, like, you know, we're happy with the chairs in the back. We're happy with those chairs. We're happy with the tables. Does it really matter as long as Christ is magnified, as long as we are growing in Christ? I think the Lord for the stage, you know, to grow to... Um, you know, to have uh, growth and to see things happening. I love this space and this uh, facility here. But if God said go over there or go here or there, you know, it doesn't matter. What's important is Christ. If the government, if the state says, you know what, you can't meet publicly to have church. You know, we can meet in homes to study the Bible. The church cannot be stopped because Christ is the head of the church. But if our trust is in tradition or philosophy, then that will not last. 
that will not last. That will not stand the test of time. Spiritually mature believers are called to serve Christ in the local church. How do you and I grow to spiritual maturity? By being focused on the Word of God. To be focused on Christ and not on our philosophies, not on our tradition. And to surrender to Him and walk in love and humility. Spiritually mature believers are also called to protect the church from false teaching. What does that mean on a practical level for you and I? When you see your friends and family following teachings that are taking them away from Christ, pray for them. Pray for them. Speak the truth in love. Not all of them are going to receive. I know, you know, you're going to have relationships as, as Amy and I have. We have relationships and and we just have to say, for the sake of peace, we're just not going to talk about God to those people because they're not open to it. We've tried, you know, we've tried to talk to them, and they just they said, no, we're going to do it this way. We're not going to, we, we don't, uh, we don't want to hear what you have to say. And then your your responsibility is gone. You know, you've done the best you could, but you have to be discerning of the teachings, because ideas have consequences. Ideas have consequences. And not all ideas are equal. There are some ideas that sneak into the church, the large church, and Christian people, and they are destructive. Like one of them is, work your way to heaven. We don't work our way to heaven. We come to Christ, the one and only way. And it's through the righteousness of Christ that we have a relationship with God. We don't come to Christ and then uh, walk around, He loves me, He loves me not, that if we make a mistake, God stops loving us. When we come to Christ, He forgives us for the sins of the past, the sins of the present, and the sins you haven't committed yet. Because he, he is the same, the Alpha and the Omega. And your relationship with God is based on God loving you and sending his son to die on the cross for you. And you surrender your life to him. You trust him. You obey him. And little by little, he transforms you. If you lose it every time you make a mistake and you're up and down, Paul would say that's unstable. Come to the stability of Christ. Come to Christ and stop listen to, listening to those who are pulling you away from Christ. And it's almost like a, almost like a drug, some of these. I, was, I remember one time I saw a couple of people and they were listening to this teaching. And the essence of the teaching was, you need to send me money to grow spiritually. That was the essence. And it was like... You know, having been in sales a good part of my life, you know, uh, being involved in that, even in the restaurant business where you're, you're marketing the restaurant and, and just listening to that rhetoric, it was a hustle. It wasn't someone teaching the Word of God to help people mature and grow spiritually. It was a man hustling people to make money and to make them feel guilty because they were not as spiritual as he was but the solution was to send more money. And what is it doing to the people? It's taking them away. And the sad thing is, is the people who are not saved see it better than we do as the church. 
we're, we're, we're in the church and we, and we love Jesus and we want to serve Him. And some people outside the church are looking at some of our own who are nothing more than con men. They're deceiving people. And when they're exposed by ABC or CNN or something like that, and we see these, this deception and this dishonesty and this corruption, we're surprised. And they're laughing at us. And it's time we stop doing that. It's time that we stop living in this ignorance. That we need to know the Word of God and we need to know something about the people who are teaching us the Word of God. That if they're not who they say they are, and if they're saying things that are not true, then we need to expose them and speak the truth in love. We need to clean up our act. Paul says the judgment of God begins first with the church. We need to clean up our own house. And people that are speaking for Christians and saying things that are not true and deceiving people and leading people astray, we need to be on guard. We need to examine what is said in light of the Word of God. And the people who say they speak, they don't speak for us. Jesus speaks for us. Jesus is the head of the church. I don't need to know what so-and-so says. It really doesn't matter. Ask me what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father but through me. Not through this evangelist on TV. Not through this prophet who said this or that. You know, it's time to hold these people accountable. That's what Paul said. He said, these people are taking you away from your security and your confidence in Christ. And they're turning you to themselves and embarrassing you before the world. Because the world is looking at these people and if they're not doing what they say they're doing and they're saying things that are not true and not even in the Bible, not even taught in Scripture, and we can't see it ourselves. And maybe we don't want to see it. I think that's been the case for me. I didn't want to admit it. I, didn't want, I don't like conflict. But it's time to speak up. Because we don't want to be, I don't want to be in a persecution because of what other, the lies that other people have told. We need to speak the truth so that when people ask us about our faith, we give a reason for the hope that is within us. And that hope is based on Christ and not ourselves. Spiritual maturity is the result of knowing Christ as our Lord and Savior and growing in Him. The Christian life is a, it, it's not complicated. It's not complicated. We need to have a relationship with Christ and we need to follow and obey Him. And when someone says that they are a Christian and they're speaking about the Lord and talking to you and they come to you as an authority, you need to make sure, does that line up with the Word of God? Is that in the Word of God? You know, even me, when I'm preaching, read this passage. Study the passage. Study the book of Colossians. You know, I have prayed. I have studied over this book. I've talked to Tyler and and Amy about it. We have interacted with that. I've read what other people said about it. People who lived a long time ago have said about it. And I've studied it. And my desire is to communicate to you 
what does the Word of God say? And what does it mean? And how does it apply to me? How does it apply to church at the crossroads? And to obey it by faith. Not to put in any ideas that might be in my head. Because you know what? Those ideas will not produce in you and I spiritual maturity. It's the Word of God that will produce the spiritual maturity. Surrendering to the truth in the Word of God. Not, you know, I might think, well, I think God should do this or that. That's not what the Word says. What does God say? My feelings might change. When I was a young man, I might have felt this way. As an older man, I might feel this way. But feelings are like this. They're up and down. This does not change. 2,000 years ago, when they studied the Word of God, the letters, when Paul wrote this letter to the church at the Colossians, they heard it, they understood what he was saying, and they knew what they needed to do. They needed to be on guard towards false teachings. What is a false teaching? Anything that takes you away from Christ. Anything that draws you to a human tradition, whether uh, Judaism or idolatry or polytheism, which is multiple gods or superstitions or anything that draws you away from the supremacy of Christ is a false teaching. Avoid it. Be rooted and grounded in Christ. That's what they understood it. 2,000 years later, we're in the same situation. We are a local church, just like they were a local church. And we have teachings that are around us in the world, maybe even in some of the churches, that are not centered in Christ. And we need to watch and be on guard against it. And we need to try to encourage people and speak the truth in love to pull them out of those environments and out of those environments where they're being led astray and they're in some type of uh, deception. Spiritual maturity allows us to serve God with love and humility rather than serve our own pride and selfishness. You know, you and I, we have a human nature. And when Jesus died on the cross, you know, Jesus came into the world to save us from our sins. And it's not just forgiveness. It's good to be forgiven. Praise the Lord for God's forgiveness. But I want to be more than just forgiven. I want to be set free. I want to be set free from pride and selfishness and shown the light through Christ where I can follow him and obey him in humility and through serving other people. And that is a supernatural miracle. And the people that live with us know that. The people that live with us know us well. And they know one thing we realize interacting with other people and becoming close is that we all struggle with pride and selfishness. But it is through Christ, as we surrender to Christ, and as we walk in humility and we trust him, the Holy Spirit lives in us, and then we become more humble and more serving and sacrificial in our behavior. And when people notice the change, rather than try to take advantage of it, we say, thank the Lord. Give God the glory. I've met several people in my life. Praise the Lord. Not only have I known people who've departed from the faith, but I've also known people 
who've continued in the faith. And I'd say, what's, what's your secret? I just give the Lord credit. The secret is that relationship with Christ, and Christ is the center of what they're doing. And Christ is the head of the church. And as we surrender to him and obey him, then we grow and we move forth. And as Paul described it, there is a love and unity within the church that we're on the same page. And it becomes a culture of faithfulness, a culture of humility and Christ-likeness, where that if someone comes into the group and they're not they're new to the faith, then they're gently taught the Christian faith. They're loved and they're accepted. It's kind of like, you know, getting a new player on the team. It takes a while to kind of, you develop a culture. You know, next week we'll watch the Super Bowl and we'll see, you know, the players, they grow in that culture and they develop a winning attitude. And as Christians, we develop a Christ-centered, humble attitude and we're able to help people grow spiritually in that environment. Praise the Lord. If it's hard to believe Jesus is going to return, remember it's hard to believe that he's been here before. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead. But Jesus lived, died, and rose again so that you and I could have life in him. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.